I think approaching letters as a team effort and not putting it 100% on your shoulders because you can't see the student at all times and have all the ways of knowing who that student is. And so gathering the information from others and really pulling from that, I think is valuable. This is Let's Talk Higher Ed, a podcast for high school counselors and university admissions representatives worldwide who aim to help connect students to their dream schools. In each episode, we hold candid conversations with our community of students, their counselors, and universities to discuss everything from dealing with anxious parents to ensuring a seamless transition to university life. Let's get started. Welcome to Let's Talk Higher Ed Podcasts. I'm your host, Tim Munnellen, Senior Director of Education Partnerships at Cialfo. Cialfo supports counselors with our powerful and simple-to-use platform, helping counselors and students save time and making higher education more accessible worldwide. We also support universities. Cialfo is your trusted partner to help you find right fit undergraduate students from the largest network of international high schools. On today's podcast, we discuss writing the U.S. Counselor Letter of Recommendation with Lauren Hoyt from the Hill School and Terry Kung from the Hewitt School. We explore their approaches and their overall process of creating this vital supporting document for students applying to college. Okay, well, we're here with another Let's Talk Higher Ed podcast. I am getting a chance to talk with two great counselors, Lauren Hoyt at the Hill School and Terry Kung at the Hewitt School, and just so happy to be sharing some time with them. We're going to be talking about the U.S. letter recommendation that a lot of us spend a lot of time on here this busy time of the year. We're going to jump right into it. Well, Lauren, you have been doing this for a number of years now, writing letters of recommendation. Tell us a little bit about how you approach it and how do you prepare yourself to write letters? So I do a lot of really thinking about and watching the students because, and a lot of procrastinating before I actually start to make sure I get the story that I want to go with at the beginning that I feel like it's emblematic and that captures who that student really is. And we went to the bullet point format several years ago. And so our letters, we have an intro, a narrative intro that's not, so it's not only bullets. And then all of the counselors, we do two sections of bullets. We do academic highlights and trends, and then we do a community involvement and then sort of wrap it up at the end. Over the past two years, we've really been a lot more focused on being data-driven, especially in the academic highlights and trends. So we do several things before we start writing to gather the information about a student that, because we're really, it's all headlines, right? Like if I were working for CNN, it's the ticker at the bottom is what I'm trying to capture, right? And so ahead of time, I'm working with the academic office to understand Okay, so this student in this particular AP calculus class, are they potentially the only domestic female in that classroom, right? Are they, how did, what was the trajectory that they took to get there? Did they spend a summer doing some math ahead of time in order to jump ahead? Like, what are the details that I can highlight really succinctly that help distinguish this student from everybody else that's in their class? Right. And I'm doing that throughout the academic highlights and trends in a much more, again, in a much more data driven way so that it is putting it in comparison 
to either their whole student body or the other students in that specific classroom. That, that's a great approach to it. You're not having to worry so much on flowery transitions and all of that. We're sticking with facts there. I'm sure this took some time to develop this yeah. way of collecting this data and highlighting it. It does. And we do a lot of, and when I say we, the collective college counseling office, we do a lot of asking really good questions of everyone within our community to understand who this student is. So for example, I mean, we just had a reading challenge over the summer. That was something that an English teacher did. That was a fun activity. And the library gave out awards for how many books students read. That's something where we're going to them. We followed up with the library to say, give us the list of the students, exactly how many books did they read, right? And so it might be even a minor thing like that, wow. right? But that offers a level of detail. Is that just trying to think about it from the admissions counselor perspective? If I'm reading something in six minutes or less, and then I'm going to a committee and I'm presenting information about this student, I want to be able to give them something really quick, really easy to present to the committee to make a case for my student, right? right. So I'm feeding them those headlines. Right. Well, Terry, I thought I was the only one that procrastinated writing student letters or recommendations. So I'm very happy to know that there's another counselor out there. There's no procrastination from your end. Is that right? You jump right into it and just start writing letters. Well, don't you? I would like to think that, but I think the longer we've been in it, sometimes it's easier to procrastinate. But, but to that point and to much of what Lauren spoke about, I really do think it's, you know, it's a community letter. It's just that we're the ones penning it. And the, sort of the content gathering, the data, fact-finding, it occurs well before the student even is directly in the process because many of our schools, those of us who are fortunate enough to be in a small community, we are always in meetings where we're conferring about, you know, be it the, oh, the 10th grader who is a star tennis player or talking about, you know, students of concern or other, you know, sometimes it's not always concern, but, you know, this kid ran out of math courses and we're trying to develop a new one. So those little pieces come in handy. And I think it really is a testament to partnering with all the different voices on campus. You know, mental collection or sometimes note collecting starts much earlier on than when we sit down to write. I think the sitting down to write, what makes me procrastinate a little bit is sometimes trying to take all the different pieces together and see how, to Lauren's point again, write a letter that is effective, not just in, you know, us being all warm and fuzzy about our students, but really understanding what the purpose of it is. And that purpose, having been on the admission side, you know, and these days with even fewer people, more applications, less time, we really need to think about how we can help our fellow admissions folks on the other side of the desk serve, you know, our students in the admissions process. And having, I think the rule is never more than a page. I do not use, we don't use the bullet, but much of Lauren, what you're speaking to, we try to capture. And so also understanding, you know, colleges are trying to differentiate one student from another. And in a culture where there is a lot of great inflation, and there is a lot of, you know, trying to reward everybody. It, it we're, A lot of times our schools, our curriculums, our profiles may not be 
serving the purpose that it needs to differentiate. And so I think in that regard, our letter is very, very important in, as Lauren noted, you know, trying to find, you know, what this one particular student may or may not have standing out. Um, so it's really crafting that. And so a couple things we have, we know who the other recommendation writers are. So we're very careful not to quote. We don't quote anybody. And we okay. definitely don't want to repeat what the other two teachers who are writing will say in our letter. This isn't just like we tell the kids, your essay is an opportunity to say something original about yourself that has not yet been said. I approach the letter the same way. Well, thank you. That was some great feedback as far as kind of an overall picture of that and how both of you approach that. I'm really curious, Terry, do you ever involve the student in this process? Yes. So the students don't directly know that they're involved, but before, when we begin the process, students and parents have a survey that they have to complete. And while, you know, we in a small community, we often hear about different students through different channels. I try to not be biased, getting secondhand sort of information from teachers who know the student before I get to form my own relationship. But the survey is really a great place to jump off from and build on from junior year into senior year. And the summer of in between is such a pivotal time that so many of them do very exciting different things and it's a really good time for personal growth. So basing on that survey and then the questions that come along, like this time in the year, fall of senior year, I follow up when they're coming in for college help, I'm peppering them with certain questions to fill in on what did happen with that internship. How did that, you know, conflict mm -hmm. with your schedule get resolved? And so Yes, they're indirect, they're directly, but indirectly involved, but their input is key. Sometimes I reach out to the parents too, for certain things as well. Right, right. Subtle, but not too subtle. Yeah. <laughs> Lord, how, do, how does students get involved with your process? Yeah. So I, as Terry's talking, I'm thinking of how similar our work is to being detectives sometimes, right? And that we're always observing and watching and taking little pieces of information and trying to make meaning of it, right? Or connecting it to something else. And so there are a lot of ways, especially in a boarding school community where students don't realize how much we're trying to learn about them, even something as simple as who you're sitting with in the dining hall at dinner and how you're engaging in those moments and how I see you walking around campus and all of that I'm taking in because I have the benefit of living with these students 24 seven, right? And so I feel like in that role, I have such a huge advantage to getting to know them. And that often is actually why I'm procrastinating. I'm waiting for that moment, that story that I can tell, right? That like, that small moment that will, story. <laughs> yeah, that will get that letter moving. So we're doing a lot of that and we do a lot of conferring because we're an office of seven counselors. So there's a lot of time that we can sit and talk about individual students and bounce ideas off of one another and hear stories that other people are experiencing on campus, right? So we have that. We do have them do a survey. We have them do it a little bit earlier than what it sounds like Terry is doing. We have them fill out that survey in the winter of their junior year. 
So that survey is actually the first thing I'm talking about with students when we're doing our individual meetings. So, which is actually a great jumping off point with those individual meetings because they've had some time to have some written reflection and some students are going to be more comfortable or sort of more communicative in that style than they're going to be in their first meeting with me where they don't really know me yet, right? And, and they don't feel super comfortable. So I can say one question is talk about an academic experience that's been a highlight for you, right? And they might talk about a paper that they wrote. There's a big term paper in the, four, in the sophomore year for Hill. So they might talk about that. And then we can delve deeper in that individual meeting when we're in person. And I get so much content through that. And I learn so much about them rather than starting our meetings, you know, too focused about the college process. We're not starting talking about, okay, tell me what you're looking for, what you want to do, right? Let's come up with a list. We're really delving into what experiences have you been having here at Hill and outside of Hill? And let's figure out what does that mean about who you are and the path that you see for yourself moving forward? Awesome. It's all about just how you're going to funnel all that information. What are all the touch points that you have with students, whether it's informal, as Terry was saying, or you do have a formal process or you're collecting it from teachers. It's trying to funnel that. It, it just ultimately makes your job a lot easier when it gets time to, to write the letter. Lauren, if we had to describe the most perfect situation we would have with the counselor letter recommendation process, what would it be for you? So every year I am determined to have all of my letters done by the start of school, right? And every year, regardless, and this is my 18th year, I don't have a single letter done. <laughs> and that's the way it is. It always works out. And I have, fortunately, I have insomnia. And so a lot of it at three o'clock in the morning. But for me, the way that I have justified, right, my tendency for procrastination with these letters is that the perfect moment is they come back from that summer where Terry is absolutely right. They've had this enormous growth, right? They're different human beings. They put on the idea of entering the world as adults, and that changes them, and it changes their development and their perspective on life. And so I feel like the perfect moment is really after I've had that first meeting with a student and so much has changed for them, they're thinking in such new and different ways. And I feel like I need that to really understand how to capture who they are right this second, right? Because if I wrote it even two weeks ago, it would have been a different experience. And I find yeah. oftentimes my role as a counselor is helping students process the experiences that they've had and what that means and their path forward and how they want to share their voice. And it's really once we get to the place of how does a student want to share their voice, I then understand how do I want to complement it, right? How do I want to reinforce the messages without reiterating the messages and really help a person understand who this student is beyond what they're seeing on a piece of paper. Right. Well, I was one of my letters done by October 15th, but I don't think ever in the history I've ever gotten that done. Terry, as someone who's written all their letters right before school starts, what's your perfect process? Well, I'm with Lauren. I always have fantasies of writing them in the summer, <laughs> but 
I don't have any letters written either upon <laughs> returning to school, but we do have everybody, including teachers, not that the process has moved up so much. Everyone's letters have to be done by October 15th. So we don't have much wiggle room. However, I think, you know, for me, a successful letter and Lauren really, you know, was great. And so many of the different components that are needed in such a, you know, important letter. But I think it's really just, you know, somebody who knows the student, another teacher and advisor reads it, they would be able to say, yeah, this is this kid's story. This is who they are as a human, as a person beyond just a student or an athlete or a dancer. And I think, you know, we often talk about how the admissions process is often so devoid of the things that probably matter most, grit and resilience. And so I think finding ways of, and this is why, as Lauren, you know, noted as well, I think this is part of why we take a while to get these letters, to, to get that voice from the student, to find a direction, to figure out what it is that, you know, can help us catalyze, you know, how to put this person forward as a human being who happens to be applying to college, who happens to be that great student and that great athlete or musician. And so just being able to have a letter that does all the above, but really having a sense of who the, the, the person is, the, the human side of things, because we know this process is not always so warm and fuzzy. I think that's a good, to me, that's a good letter. Yeah. Wow. There's no pressure in trying to create a letter that does all of that. I remember a mission rep said, you know, if I read your letter, what I want to have a cup of coffee with this student, what I can I imagine them being on your campus was kind of a good way of doing it. And then when I got away from trying to use my written word, I felt like I, my voice, if I were to talk to a rep, I would do a much better job of talking about the student. So I started to try to write like that. Mm -hmm. And at times I was successful and other times I wasn't. But well, thank you for that. Terry, we have a lot of counselors listening to this, new counselors trying to make their way, veteran counselors trying to stay up late at night doing this or procrastinating anymore. Any last words of wisdom for them? Yeah, I, I think, you know, just to be sort of, thoughtful about, you know, all of our different privileges of being at these fancy schools that we're at. Everybody's resources are different, even at our private schools. And there may be teachers who are not in private school spaces listening in as well. But really, I think do what you can. We can only do as much as we're being supported to do. So do what you can. Know that your students are being very well supported by you. And it takes a team effort. So lean in on the team. And if, you know, you're, our, what's available to us varies. So in some spaces, we can do what Lauren and I talked about. In other spaces, you have to find what makes sense for you and how you partner, if you're able to, with others to help that process go easier for you and to, you know, do what's best for the student. But it's not all the same, and we're well aware of that, but lean into the support that may be there for you and never be afraid to reach out to other counselors, whichever, you know, types of schools, because everyone is, I think as counselors, we're all very willing to help each other out. Awesome. And for you, Lauren? I think those are excellent points from Terry, and I think approaching letters as a team effort and not putting it. 100% on your shoulders because you can't see the student at all times and have all the ways of knowing 
who that student is. And so gathering the information from others and really pulling from that, I think is valuable. I also think that when I write letters, what's really important to me is physical space, right? Where exactly I am and what that setup is like. I cannot write letters when I'm in the office. There are too many interruptions and things happening during the day. And I want to be available as people come in and need me, right? And so I have very succinct, fond memories of when I've been traveling, holding myself up in the hotel room in the evenings and having quiet time, but being really careful about where you write those letters, mm -hmm. I think is, mm -hmm. is valuable. And we have times in the office, and this is one thing we actually do early in the year is we ask all the counselors to write themselves out for full days or half days so mm -hmm. that they can get that time away from the office to really focus on writing. That's great. Some great words of advice for sure. Scented candles, a Spotify playlist, create the atmosphere, yeah. get hyped for it. This should be fun, right? Right. Absolutely. Or just complete quiet, what is, which is quiet. what I need. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, I want to say thank you so much for lending your words of wisdom and taking some time out of your busy schedule. This has been really great. And I think a lot of counselors will find some solace in this. So uh, thank you so much for taking some time with us today. Thanks for the opportunity. We're happy to share. Yes. And always wonderful to collaborate with Terry. <laughs> Likewise, Lauren. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for checking out this episode of Let's Talk Higher Ed. This show is brought to you by Cialfo, a fast-growing global ed tech company and student-first career exploration and college application network. If you enjoyed this episode, then follow Let's Talk Higher Ed wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Or join us online at cialfo.co slash podcast for all of the latest episodes.